pastor of this church, I'm not sure. I had a number of people go, hi, well, please fill out one of our visitor cards when you get a chance. So, uh, man, I tell you what, we have been moving, and uh, it has been nonstop for the last uh, two weeks. We left, as you guys know, Monday morning. Uh, and uh, drove and got to be with uh, visit some family uh, that does not know the Lord uh, in Utah, and uh, got to do that and go to uh, drop Bella off and get her established there in her new place, and she's going to be going to Bible Institute there uh, at uh, Treasure Valley uh, in uh, uh, Meridian, Idaho, basically Boise, and then I preached Wednesday, or excuse me, uh, uh, Sunday evening at their church, and then uh, Monday morning we took off the following Monday, and uh, drove up to the camp and preached Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night, and then uh, we turned around, had a little bit of a tr- car trouble on the way back, and uh, God provided miraculously uh, for all that, and literally, just, everything's just been in the nick of time, so here we are, praise God. Uh, just glad to be here with you guys, and uh, sounds like you guys had some fun last Sunday, um, and uh, I, I, I tell you what, you've had some great preaching and teaching since I've uh, been gone, and I really appreciate that. That's a blessing. Uh, it's a blessing to go away and know that uh, your church is taken care of, uh, and that there's some faithful men and families who will be there uh, no matter what. And let me just tell you something. I don't take it for granted. There was a time when if we were gone, uh, stuff just didn't happen, and uh, it's a blessing to see what God's doing here at our church. And just so you know, church family, there are people all over this country that know about what God's doing here. Uh, that uh, so I had people come up to me and go, man, I heard you had 50 people saved at the fair. That's awesome stuff, guys. Uh, that's a blessing. So uh, I'll, I'll take that. If someone's going to talk about your church and they're going to say, hey, I heard this about your church, that's the kind of stuff you want them to talk about. Uh, so uh, if you are here and visiting with our church, we're glad to have you this morning. Uh, going verse by verse in the Gospel of John. So let's jump into it. John chapter 4. John chapter 4. And let's go to verse number uh, 27. And upon this came his disciples, and marveled that he talked with the woman. Yet no man said, What seekest thou, or why talkest thou with her? Uh, they were thinking it, nobody said it. Uh, and yet it's recorded in Scripture, which goes to show you that even if you don't say it, God knows what you're thinking. Amen? Uh, look, if you would, at verse number 28. The woman then left her water pot. Now, let me just throw this out there. The reason that she went there to begin with was to get water, right? And then all of a sudden, she just, it, it didn't matter anymore. Did you notice that? The water that she was looking for, what she was seeking out in her life, that was like secondary now. It didn't matter. Now what matters more is, is Jesus himself, which it's a great picture of something. When you get saved and you get into the word of God, and the word of God, listen to me, gets in you, the stuff that used to matter doesn't matter anymore. Your, your value system changes completely. So she leaves her water, pot, verse 28, and went her way into the city and said to the men, Come see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? Now, let me just, I'm going to kind of comment a little bit here as we just read a few verses, and then we're going to jump into the actual study. Um, I want you to notice that she goes and talks to the men of the city. Does anybody remember why that might be? Uh, she's, uh, she's got a reputation. Um, and uh, listen, regardless of your, of your reputation, um, the Lord can take and make you a new person. Amen. Amen. It doesn't matter where you came from. It doesn't, you know, I was preaching at summer camp, and there are some kids there. This is the God honest truth. Uh, we, I won't go into uh, specific details, but I just talked with someone this morning that's here at church after going through some real hardship. Uh, and uh, after leaving a real rough place this morning, the first place they came to was church. You know what I say to that? Praise God. 
because there's some, I, I, I preaching at summer camp, there's some kids there that were raised with a spiritual silver spoon in their mouth. They were raised in church from the time they were in their mom's belly all the way through high school, and they took it for granted, and they didn't care about it, and they threw it aside, and they're going to go and make, you know what, even if they don't make a mess of their lives, they'll be a spiritual zero for the rest of their life. And then there are some kids that had a broken home and uh, parents that beat them and people that were neglecting them and, and relationships that left them broken and everything against, all the odds against them in life. And there's yet a desire to go, you know what? I want a new life in Christ. That's where my identity is going to be. And you know what this woman did? This woman found her new identity. Uh, now, I will say this as well, uh, ladies, just a little tidbit for you. Um, if, if you're a young lady, you know what you ought to try to do? Make friendships with young ladies. And uh, oftentimes, when uh, I'm, I'm just looking at this from a scriptural standpoint, uh, when a young woman is always around young men, it's because she's looking for something. Right. And this woman is looking for something. And the Lord, now, now she found it in Jesus Christ, but for years, listen to me, she was looking for it in the wrong place. Now, now look at verse number uh, 29, or verse 30. Then they, the men of the city, went out. I like this. They went out of the city and they came to him. Now, if, if you knew that a woman that you had uh, been with had met the, allegedly met the Messiah and he could tell everybody everything that you've done, you'd kind of nervously want to go meet him as well. Are you with me? They're like, uh, so let's see what he has to say about me. You know, let's not, let's not blaze this abroad. Uh, look at verse 31. In the meanwhile, so now we're getting back to the, the disciples, right? They, they, they'd left the scene at the beginning of the chapter. Now they're coming back from the scene. In the meanwhile, his disciples prayed him, saying, Master, eat. But he said to them, I have meat to eat that you know not of. Therefore, said the disciples one another, hath any man brought him aught to eat? Jesus said to them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me, and to finish his work. You know what he's saying? Uh, I'm not just interested in physical food. I'm interested in something spiritual. Um, I have meat to eat that you know not of. And you know what I would say to you, Christian, this morning? You ought to be more interested in that meat. You ought to figure out what that meat is. Because he explains what it is in verse 35. Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. And, thank you, baby. And he that receiveth, uh, reapeth receiveth wages and gathereth fruit unto life eternal, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. And herein is that saying true. One soweth and another reapeth. I sent you to reap that, were, that, that whereon ye bestowed no labor. Other men labored, and ye are entered into their labors. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. It is so good to be back. Father, I thank you so much for my church family. Lord, I feel spoiled. I love my church. Uh, I miss it. Lord, uh, there is, and I'm not saying this to, Lord, there are some great churches, but I, I, I love where you've placed me, and I love my church, and I'm just glad to be here this morning. And Lord, the spirit that is often found here, Lord, uh, the rejoicing over truth, Lord, the excitement and passion over learning things that, that come from your word, God, I pray you bless your people this morning. Lord, I, we ask that the Holy Spirit of God would lead and guide us in all truth. Lord, I, I am incapable on my own. I am insufficient on my own to feed your people. They are the sheep of your pasture. And God, I pray that you would fill me. Lord, that you would uh, please help me, Lord, to, to say the things that you want said and to not say the things that you don't want said. Lord, I pray that you would use uh, what we're seeing here now in, in the Gospel of John in chapter 4, Help us to, to not just learn it, Lord. Help us to, to do something with what we're learning. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, let me just say this much. I'm all for being a Bible believer. Uh, but you know, what I, you know what I like a little bit more than that? I like being a Bible doer. 
Because I know a lot of Bible believers that know a lot of stuff, but they're not doing it. And uh, I think it's important as you study the Bible and, and you learn the scriptures, not just to go, man, great lesson, great information, but you should walk away with something that you get where you go in your life. Okay, how do I put that shoe on? This morning, I, I, I still dealing with the, the, uh, the bum ankle from, from Lenny's uh, mishap when we played basketball. Uh, uh, but, but anyways... I had barely got my shoe on this morning, but by the grace of God, I got it on. And I was thinking about, you know, Cinderella sisters when they're trying to squeeze the shoe on, you know, got the fat feet, you know, but, but, but literally the Bible is a book that fits for everybody. And so if the shoe fits, Cinderella put it on. Find something this morning that you can apply to your life. Uh, let me say this. Look at verse uh, 19, verse 19. We're going to d- dive back a little bit because I got a thought I want to run uh, by you guys a little bit further. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that thou art a what? All right, uh, look if you would at uh, verse number 25. Verse 25, I know we talked about this last week or last time, but I want to hit it from a different angle. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is cometh, which is called Christ. So now she goes from calling him a prophet to possibly saying he might, implying there's an implication there that, that maybe we're going the direction of him being the Messiah. Look at verse number 29. Verse 29, come, see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the what? That's the Christ, that's the anointed of God, and, and that's what that word means, and I'm not going to try to get all Greek on you, but it comes from a Greek word, uh, Christos, and it just means the anointed. Uh, an anointed uh, one is one that is anointed for a certain office, and we looked at this before. There are three offices in the Old Testament uh, that are anointed, prophet, priest, and king. And the Bible says that Jesus Christ is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. The Bible says he are, he's our great high priest. He was tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. The Bible says in the Gospel of John that he is that prophet. So you know what you have? Uh, you have literally all three in one in Jesus Christ. Now, in, in order for him to be the Christ, the Christ, you say, why does it call it the Christ? Because there are false Christs. Uh, and there is the Antichrist. Now, you say, what is that? Well, the Antichrist still bears the name Christ. So you know what that means? He's anointed, but he's anointed by the devil himself. All right? Just because someone is a Christ doesn't mean they're the anointed of God. All right? There are many false Christs, and there, the Bible says in 1 John chapter 4, there's a spirit of Antichrist that's already at work in the world today. Do you realize when John wrote that at the end of the first century, that the spirit of Antichrist was already at work? Do you know what spirit it is? It's a spirit that tries to get you from truth to error. First John chapter 4. And it's real subtle, and you have to be real careful with it. Uh, now, I, I want you to see this. Revelation is progressive in the Bible. You say, what does that mean? God does not dump. Listen, in the book of Genesis, God does not say, all right, so you're, uh, you, you're lost without Jesus Christ. You're dead in your trespasses and sins. Uh, you're going to die and go to hell without him. He's going to come. He's going to die. He's going to be resurrected. Uh, believe on him as your Savior. He doesn't do that in Genesis, guys. You know what God does? He lays out truth progressively. Here's an example. All right. If someone was dumb enough to say that Paul was against Jesus or Jesus was against Paul, uh, they ought to look at their Bible and understand that in the Old Testament, for example, you have things that are uh, delivered to Abraham that are not delivered to Moses. Let me ask you a question. Who was right, Abraham or Moses? You know what the answer is? They're both right. You know, the, the real answer is this. Abraham was delivered a message about faith for a nation. And Moses is delivered a, a message about the law. All right, so which one was right? Was it Abraham who lived and walked by faith? 
or was it Moses who delivered the law? You know what the answer is? They're both right in their own time. God deals with different people in different places at different times in different ways. All right? You say, what is that? It's called rightly dividing your Bible. And you won't make any sense out of the Bible at all if you can't do that. All right? Uh, Matter of fact, go to to 2 Timothy real quickly. 2 Timothy chapter number 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. And uh, if if you don't rightly divide your Bible, here's what you're going to end up doing. You are going to wrongly divide it or not divide it at all, which is a mistake in the Scriptures. All right? Uh, The Bible says you'll rest the Scriptures. Not rest as an R-E-S-T, but rest, all right? Jabin as in wrestle. W-R-E-S-T, right? So uh, it, it's funny, I've got, I'm looking at Alan Espinoza right here. He was a wrestler, all right? Was, amen. Um, uh, he was a wrestler. Now listen, when I was a kid, uh, he used to go to my church and he'd, man, he put us in a pretzel. we talked talk smack to him and he put us in our place. I think I could take him now. Uh, but, but anyways, we'll, we'll find out later. We'll find out later. Uh, the Bible uses the word rest, all right, as in wrestle, uh, like this. Basically, like putting yourself in a pretzel with the scriptures. They rest the scriptures to their own destruction. You see, what does that mean? They take the word of God and they misapply it. And by doing that, they're all kinds of confused. All right. Uh, if someone were to say that Jesus was against Paul or Paul was against Jesus, they would not understand what the Bible actually says about the Bible itself. Second uh, Timothy chapter two. Look, if you would, at verse number uh, 15. And by the way, there's only uh, one, one Bible available today that uses the word study. And you, you ought to have it in your lap, all right? Yeah. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. Look at the last part here. Rightly dividing the word of truth. Yeah. All right? So, so by, by simply looking at that verse and understanding some simple things, go to, go to John chapter 1. Go to John chapter 1. All right? It, it would be like me saying, was Moses right or was Jesus right? You know what the answer is? They're both right. <laughs> but, but they deliver different messages to different people at a different time. And, and, and so what you learn is that this woman, it's just like you look, when you got saved, when I got saved, here's what I knew. I was lost, I was on my way to hell, and I couldn't save myself, and I asked Jesus Christ to save me. Which, by the way, if you're here and you're not sure about your salvation, that's what it takes to be saved. It's really simple. The, Jesus Christ died for our sins, he was buried, and he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. That's all you need to be saved. All right. Now, when I got saved, I remember, I'll never forget, I was sitting uh, probably about where Joe's at in Bible school. The, the room was set up just like this, two rows of, of chairs, real long, narrow room. Well, it goes back further than this. Teacher's up there, and he's teaching. And, uh, and I said, hey, Doc, uh, I got a question. And I didn't ask me, I asked maybe in, in three years of school, I maybe asked two or three questions max. I was not the guy that would ask. I would sit back and watch everybody else make a fool of themselves. Every once in a while, I, I'd go, okay, I need to ask this question. And so I, I remember looking at him, I go, hey, I've got a question. He goes, yeah, you. And I said, uh, I said uh, when, when you get saved, do you have to know that Jesus Christ is God? And then you know what I thought for sure he was going to say? Oh, yeah, you have to know that. You know what he said? No, man. He said, you just got to know you're going to hell. You need Jesus Christ to save you, man. And that was pretty much, pretty much all I needed to hear. Now, now, the point is this. When you get saved and then you start learning the Bible, God reveals more and more truth to you. Does that make sense? Amen. So here's this woman, and she starts off with, your, you know, I perceive thou art a prophet. And then she starts talking about the, the Messiah, the Christ. And then by the end of that thing, she's going out and she's telling others, hey, I found him. 
Amen. You say, what does that mean? It, it took time to get her there. Is that, that, does that make sense? And, and so God does the same thing with all of us, both as individuals and corporately Amen. as well. Look at John chapter number one. And uh, let me show you this simple division in your Bible. Uh, for someone to say that uh, rightly dividing the scriptures is uh, some kind of heresy, I, I don't think they're reading their Bible. I do not think that word means what you think it means. <laughs> My name is Inigo Montoya. Uh, look at John chapter 1 and look, if you would, at, uh, uh, ooh, I just had it here. There's uh, verse number 16. And of his fullness have all we received and grace for grace, talking about Jesus Christ, for the law was given by Moses. Now look, if you didn't believe in any other division in your Bible, you've got to find this one to be true. Right. Well, let's start here, okay? Look, look at verse 17. For the law was given by Moses... But grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, now, what that tells you is this. There's a division. They're different. All right? Uh, so, for example, uh, when the Lord Jesus Christ shows up, what is the message? Look at Matthew chapter number 10 that he's preaching. Uh, I'll, t- I'll give you a little hint. It's not the message you're preaching today. And it's not because we're against Jesus. <laughs> Uh, for someone to, to even think that means that they're either uh, uh, completely ignorant or they're being completely deceptive. And maybe it's a little bit of both. I'm not sure. But I'll say this much as it relates to that. When Jesus shows up, look at uh, Matthew. Matter of fact, go back to Matthew 3. Go to Matthew 3, then we'll go to Matthew 10. Uh, I'm kind of ad-libbing here. It's not in my notes, but we're going to have fun with it. Uh, Matthew chapter 3, and then we'll pop over to Matthew chapter number 10. Now, uh, I don't have time to do an entire, uh, uh, you know, it, it's funny. We live in a, a soundbite age. We live in an age where people want to learn the Bible with like a 30-second TikTok. Forget that stuff, guys. That's not how you learn the Bible. Uh, you know, like, oh, you know, people want to watch a, a, a little reel and go, this is how I learned it. You don't learn it that way. You know, again, if truth is, is uh, uh, progressively revealed in the scriptures, which it is, you know what that means? You've got to study that book. Uh, and, and you're going to have to learn to rightly divide that book. Amen. All right. Uh, I'll give you, oh, I got all kinds of examples. Look at Matthew 3. Uh, sorry, this is uh, on my mind, a little fresh for some unknown reason. Look at Matthew 3 and uh, notice what is said here in chapter 3 in verse number 1. In those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, Repent ye for the what? Kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, I don't have time this morning. Time and space does not allow. Yeah, we, did, we could do literally weeks and weeks, and we have done this before years ago, uh, uh, studies on the difference between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. All right? They are different. Uh, they are present. They're both present when Jesus Christ shows up. All right? You say, why? Because the kingdom of God is a spiritual kingdom that is inside of you, as is said in Luke chapter number 17. The Pharisees go, uh, uh, when will the kingdom of God appear? And he goes, uh, the kingdom of God appeareth not with observation. And say not, lo, here it is, or lo, it is there, but rather, uh, it is within you. That's a spiritual thing. That's a personal thing. That's, uh, how about this, John 3, uh, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Not the kingdom of heaven. He doesn't say that. The kingdom of heaven, on the other hand, is a literal physical kingdom with Jesus Christ reigning on the throne as the lion of the tribe of Judah. All right. Now, now you say, what, what is that? Well, if you were to take this and lay it out on a map, here's where you're at right now. Christ died for our sins. You are in uh, uh, the, what the Bible calls the body of Christ. And if you want to call it an age of grace, you're more than welcome to. 
Uh, frankly, I think anytime God deals with man at all, he has to deal with grace because we're a bunch of stupid sinners and Amen. he has to have grace with us to deal with our <laughs> foolishness. Uh, but, but if you want to call it age of grace, that's fine. The, the bottom line is this. You had the law that was brought by Moses and then grace and truth is brought by Jesus Christ. Now, furthermore, let me say this. Uh, the book of Hebrews, and I don't have time to go into all this, but if you were to read it for yourself, we'll, we'll quote a few verses in the morning message. The book of Hebrews, you know what the, the main word in Hebrews is? Better. Yep. Right. This covenant was this way, the new one is better. This testament was this way, the new one is better. Uh, you brought in the Old Testament, you had to bring a sacrifice and the blood of bulls and goats would atone for your sins. They would cover your sins, but they would never take away your sins. So in John chapter one, when Jesus Christ shows up, John the Baptist says, behold, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. Amen. I'm glad my sins aren't just covered. They're gone. <laughs> They're gone. <laughs> All right. Now, uh, I'm pointing this distinction out to you because when the Lord shows up, he preaches about both of these kingdoms, but he's preaching a kingdom message. And at times he'll reference the kingdom of God, which is spiritual nature. And at times he'll mention the kingdom of heaven. You say, well, why would he mention both of those? It seems like they contradict. No, they don't. Because, it, again, if the king is physically there, he offers both because God is a spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And at the same time, when he comes back, Revelation says, and Daniel says, and Isaiah says, he's going to rule with a rod of iron. And that's where that, that comes in. So you know what this is? This is called a division. You know what saying men are here and women are here? That's called a division. Right. All right? I'm not trying to be funny. I know we live in a day and age in which that's even controversial. I didn't think I'd live to see that, by the way. I never thought that would be a problem. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's one thing to say I'm a man. I'm attracted to a man. I'm not saying it's right. It's unbiblical. It's, it's, it's wicked. It's wrong. Uh, and by the way, if you get all huffy and puffy with me this morning, uh, because I'm calling out sin, if a man is married to a woman and he looks at another woman and lusts after her in his heart, he's wicked as well. I don't care if you're heterosexual, homosexual, unsexual, pansexual, transsexual. I don't care what you call yourself. If it isn't God's way, it's wrong. Okay, so let's get that out of the way right now. Uh, but the, the, I never thought you'd live to, to see that some would be, you know, finding men and women being a uh, uh, controversy, be saying there's a division between them. But all in life, guys, night and day, you know what the first thing God does? He separates the light from the darkness. God's a God of division. Amen. And God brings division so that there's clarity. Amen. And if you read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation and you don't rightly divide your Bible, you're going to come away with, I think I'm saved. I hope I'm saved. I could lose my salvation, but I'm not sure. And so, and so you better rightly divide it or else you're going to come out very, very confused. All right. So, so again, we read that uh, grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. All right. Look at Matthew chapter 10. Matthew 10. Uh, by the way, if I were to ask you today, what must I do to be saved? What would your answer be? And thou shalt be saved. All right. Or you might say you must be born again. Uh, those are both correct answers. Uh, but, but one time a young ruler comes to Jesus Christ and says, uh, what, what, what good thing, listen to me very carefully, what good thing must I do to inherit eternal life? You know what the Lord says? Believe on me and you'll be saved. It's not what he said. Not what he said. You know what he tells him to do? He tells him to keep in stride with the spirit of the Old Testament law. See, the law was there not only to show us that we're sinners, but there's a spirit behind it, which basically uh, points to the character of God himself. And so he says to this rich young ruler, go and sell everything you have and follow me. 
if someone came to my church and said, Pastor Adrian, what must I do, I do to inherit eternal life? I wouldn't be like, sell everything you have and give it to me. <laughs> we need a building, amen? Let's, let's right? So, so you, you know what? But the Lord did it. Well, was the Lord wrong? No, the Lord wasn't wrong. The Lord was operating under the Old Testament because Hebrews 9 says, without the death of the testator, there can be no testament. So until he dies, you're in the Old Testament. You say, what is that called? Rightly dividing your Bible. All right? Otherwise, someone tries to get you from not doing that. They try to convince you that's not the right thing. I would like to say, well, what do you replace it with? You know what the answer is? Confusion. And God is not the author of confusion. All right? Uh, because, because, look, there, I can tell you, I could point, anyone that, if an atheist walked in here and goes, there's contradictions in the Bible, you know what I'd say? I'd say, I'll, I'll find more than you can. I can. I've actually read the book several times. I can find more contradictions than you could ever from looking up stuff online, you dingbat. I could, I could find stuff. But here's, the, but here's the thing. Those contradictions aren't real contradictions. They are what we would call apparent contradictions. You know how you reconcile those things? You reconcile them by rightly dividing the Word of God. Amen. All right, so let me ask you a question. What's the message that you preach today? The gospel, the grace of God. Uh, matter of fact, if you want to see it, go to, uh, we'll come back to Matthew 10. I'm sorry, just, we'll just roll with it, all right? Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. You're like, man, I didn't know I was going to get a lesson on rightly dividing. Well, I didn't think I'd give it, but here we are. First uh, Corinthians chapter 15. Yeah. Look, if you would, at verse number uh, uh, 2. First Corinthians chapter 15, verse number 2. And notice what it says here. Uh, but which also you are saved, if you keep memory of what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died uh, uh, for our sins according to the Scriptures. Now, if you look back at verse 1, what are we talking about? He's declaring the gospel unto them. This is the gospel that we preach today. All right, now look at verse number 3. Christ died for our sins. All right, and look at verse 4. He was buried. And lastly, thank God, he rose again. That's good news. You know why it's good news? Because that last part, everything else is kind of not great news, but then you get to the last part, he rose again. That that changes, that's the game changer right there, by the way. Uh, But that said, that's the gospel that you're preaching today. If someone is hopeless, someone is broken, someone is, is, is dealing with depression and anxiety, and they're looking for answers, and they're searching, uh, they're looking in new age, and they're looking over here, you know what you do? You point them to Jesus Christ. Amen. And you say, look, he died for your sins, he was buried, and he rose again. Why? Because he loved you enough to die for you, and to be the substitution, to basically become sin for you in your place on that cross, so you wouldn't have to face and taste the wrath of God. Woo. That's good news that God did that for us. All right, now, now look at Matthew chapter 10. Matthew 10. So that's what we preach today. Can we agree on that? Yeah. All right. Matter of fact, uh, I think it's kind of interesting uh, what the Holy Spirit uh, inspires Paul to write and to speak, I should say. Uh, but in one place over in Romans, you know what Paul calls that gospel? He calls it my gospel. Imagine, imagine like after church, I'm like, everybody, make sure you go out there and preach my gospel to all those sinners out there. That just sounds weird, doesn't it? Uh, but Paul, God allowed Paul to say that because there were some things that he brought that God used to bring clarity on as, again, truth being revealed in the scriptures is progressive. Uh, look at Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10. 
And uh, boy, I'm real tempted to preach on uh, shaking the dust off your feet. Look at the end of verse 14. I'm not going to do it, not this morning. Uh, God's got another message for us, but uh, that's a, there's something there's something there. That, that, to, coming soon to a church near you, all right? <laughs> we'll, we'll probably hit on that subject. But look at Matthew 10 and look, if you would, at verse number uh, 5. These 12 Jesus sent forth. It just listed out all the names of the disciples and commanded them, saying, Go not into the way of the Gentiles. Now, let me ask you a question. I thought our commission said to go in all the world and preach the gospel. Yep. It does. How come this one doesn't? Right. If you don't rightly divide your Bible, you've got contradictions all through there, man. Amen. And in one place, he tells them, don't go to any of the Gentiles. You know who the Gentiles are? Us. Yeah. Us. Don't go to the Gentiles. Go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And, and, and notice what he tells them. Look at verse 6 and then look at verse number 7. What's the message? The message isn't repent and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. The message isn't even I'm going to die for your sins. You know what the message is? The kingdom is coming. All right? You say, why? Because from the Old Testament, those Jews were promised a kingdom, a righteous kingdom, wherein their Messiah would sit on the throne of David and, listen to me, rule the entire world. Now listen, the Jews in that moment, they kind of liked that that, that, that that part of the message because they were under Roman occupation. They wanted to be liberated. The hard part really wasn't this. It was this. So you're telling me that if I want to be a part of this, I also have to accept the spiritual truths that are found here? Yes. You're telling me I have to be born again? Well, why would I need to do that? I'm of Abraham's seed. Where Jesus Christ says in John chapter 8, I can raise up these stones of Abraham. Right? Remember that? Don't claim Abraham as your father. That's not it. You need God as your father, right? And so there's a spiritual emphasis that Jesus Christ brings that you just don't find from the Old Testament. You say, what is that called? Rightly dividing the word of God. Amen. All right. Now, now again, there's no real contradiction. What you're finding here over and over and over uh, are things that look like they contradict. But in all actuality, what they are is God's way of revealing things. Look at Isaiah chapter number 28. Isaiah 28. I'll show you one more, uh, and then we'll move on. Isaiah 28, give you this truth, and I'll show you one more example of what I'm talking about, and then we'll move on from this, this topic. Uh, literally, uh, we've done uh, weeks and probably months. Uh, uh, years ago, I did a series, I might do it again, called The Bible in a Nutshell. And the further, she's, Debbie, Miss Debbie's laughing because the nutshell got real big. <laughs> and it was like, you know, we're going to do this in a couple weeks, and it's like, one year later. You know, we're, we're still going through it. Uh, look at Isaiah 28, and look, if you would, at verse number uh, 12. Uh, but what we did in that study was we showed what, I, what I'm trying to show you from a 30,000-foot view, which is that you have to divide the Word of God and understand that there are things that God says, listen carefully, to the Jews in the Old Testament that He does not say to the church today. God promised that the Jews their own piece of land. I wish I could claim that promise because we'd already have a building. All right, but you understand what I'm saying? God didn't promise us physical land. God promised us heaven. God promised us spiritual treasures. God promises us rewards at the judgment seat of Christ. He does not promise us physical wealth and land and territory like he does the nation of Israel. That's their land. That's not the United Nations or Americas or anybody else to mess with. It's God's land that he gave to them. And, and so that's a promise. Now, he doesn't do that for us. 
We have different blessings. We have different promises. Uh, uh, when you look at what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, and it's, it makes clear sense, there are three groups of people that God ever speaks to, Gentiles, or I'll say Jews, Gentiles, and then there's this third group, which is pretty much an anomaly from the rest of Scripture. It, it just stands out from everything else. The blessings and promises to the church are very unique. Uh, I'll give you one, a, a resurrected body, a glorified body in the image of Jesus Christ. Uh, the, the Old Testament saints don't have that promise like you do. All right. So you got the church of God. Paul says, give none offense, neither to the Jews, nor the Gentiles, nor the church of God. Now, why would this group stand apart? I'll tell you why. Because in Galatians, he says this, in Christ, there's neither male nor female. That's not a, a physical thing. That's a spiritual distinction. And there's neither Jew nor Gentile. You know why? You know what he says over there in Romans? He says, basically, in so many words, uh, listen, uh, uh, salvation is under the Gentiles as it is to the Jews, Acts 15, and there's no difference anymore. He's put no difference in regards to salvation. If you come to Christ, you're saved. If you don't, you're lost. All right, so, so these are three groups of people. Now, you know, there are things that God says to them that don't apply to us. There are things that God says to the Gentiles, for example, uh, as, a, as Gentiles, as a general rule of thumb, that don't necessarily apply to your personal, individual salvation. You know what this is? This is called rightly dividing the scriptures. And if you don't do that, you'll walk away very, very, very confused. All right? And, and lastly, we have the church, which stands apart as its own. Now, why am I pointing that out? Because in the Bible, anytime God someone talks to someone, he's going to be talking to one of these three groups of people. All right? And, and so, ultimately, you have to understand who is talking, who are they talking to, and what are they saying? And if you don't ever look at the context and when you read something, you'll, you'll start applying stuff to yourself. If I walked up and said, Alan, I want to give you a million dollars. I don't have it. Praise the Lord. He wants it, even though I don't have it. That's great. Uh, but if, if, if I said, Alan, I want to get, and Tim comes in, he goes, uh, yeah, that's for me, right? And I'm like, no, I wasn't talking to you. I was saying, yeah, but you said it. Leave my money alone. <laughs> he said, hey, you know what this guy said? Leave my money alone, fool. <laughs> so, so I'm talking to this guy. And this guy goes, but I want it. Yeah, okay, but I wasn't talking to you. Yeah, but you said it. Yeah, but I wasn't talking to you. I said it, but I didn't say it to you. People do this all the time with the Bible. So you have to be careful and understand that, that what God says to one person or one group of people, he may not, he may not say to the other. All right, let me give you another example of this. Look at Galatians chapter 1. Galatians chapter 1. Man, we did not, we're not going to get through. Whatever, I'm here. That's all that I can say. Praise God, we made it safely home. Galatians, I told my wife uh, when our truck, our vehicle broke down, you know, I said, I don't know how long it's going to take. I'm just trying to, I, I'm, I'm 42, and, and I'm in a place in my life where I'm just, I'm tired of worrying about things. I'm tired of being, you know, like overly anxious about, because it's like, never does the anxiety, the worry make it better. Uh, and usually God works things out. You just... Learn to sit and watch him work. It's really fun. Uh, look at Galatians chapter 1, and look, if you would, at verse uh, number 6. I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you in the grace of Christ unto what? Uh, the Bible talks about another Jesus in the book of Corinthians. Uh, it talks about another spirit. Just because someone uh, says they're in Jesus' name doesn't mean that they are. When the Antichrist shows up, he's going to claim that, and he's not going to be. Uh, now, now, there's another gospel, and, and look what he says in verse number 7, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you, and would what? Pervert. pervert the gospel of Christ. All right, so let's see what this perversion has to do with. If you were to read the rest of the Galatians, which we obviously don't have time to do, uh, you know what you find out? 
uh, there were people coming into the church saying, hey, in order to be saved, you must also keep elements from the law of Moses. For example, all you guys had to get circumcised or you can't be saved. All right, so, so in, in essence, there are people coming in trying to bring the church, watch it, trying to bring these people back under the law, which was for Israel. You know what Exodus says, and you know what Ezekiel says, Exodus 20 and Ezekiel 20 says, the Sabbath day was given for a sign between me, God speaking, and thee, Israel. Not for the church. Right. All right? So, so there, are, there are people that are trying to bring people, the, the church back under the law. And you know what Paul says? That's a perversion. Now, notice what he says in verse, go back to chapter 1. Look at chapter 1, verse number 8, and notice this. This is a pretty strong statement. If I were to say, for example, let's just say that I said, uh, anyone that preaches uh, uh, unsound doctrine that's not found in Scripture, that goes against Scripture, anyone that preaches the wrong gospel, they're cursed by God. If I came up with that thought on my own, I'd be, that'd be a pretty strong statement. But if God says it, and he channels it through someone that's speaking the words of God, you ought to pay real close attention Amen. to it. Now, now look what happens here in verse 8. But though we, or an angel from heaven, preach any other what? Unto you, then that which ye, ye, we have preached unto you, let him be what? Isn't it interesting that, that God, not Paul, God had enough forethought to mention that if an angel preaches... Anything that is not the gospel of the grace of God, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, because that's what Paul's talking about. If an angel did that, he's cursed. Go to Revelation 14. Revelation chapter 14. see here there it is verse number six and i saw now you know who this is this is john writing the book of revelation god brings john up to heaven to get caught up to see things that nobody else could see about the future and while he's there look at verse six i saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth and to every nation and kindred and tongue and people. Now, before you read the rest of this, let me just stop you right now. Let me help you out. The everlasting gospel is not the same as the gospel of the grace of God, which you're preaching. Amen. You know how you know? With fifth grade English. Amen. The Bible, this book that people say is hard to understand, they did a test. It's on fifth grade level. Uh, look, if you would, at verse number eight. Uh, I'm sorry, verse number seven. Saying with a loud voice, ready? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Is that what it says? No. Does it say you must be born again? No. No, it doesn't. And does it say anything about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ at all? No. It says, fear God and give glory to him. Now, let me ask you a question. This angel, this angel was sent by God in, in Revelation 14. If you read the whole context, God sent the angel to preach to the people going through the great tribulation. You know why? Because they're worshiping the wrong God in the Antichrist. And you know what they do? They harden their hearts so bad that their tongues, they nod their tongues in pain due to the heat and the other curses that God and the vials and the seals and the trump, all the, 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 the judgment and wrath of God that's poured on this earth. And you know what they did? They still wouldn't repent and acknowledge the God of heaven. So God sends an angel 
Because you know what people say? Well, if God spray painted it in the sky, I believe it. God's like, oh, really? Okay, all right. And he sends an angel out there, and they're like, eh, not sure about that. That's what they're going to do in Revelation, in the tribulation. So, but this angel, listen to me very carefully, is preaching a different message than the gospel you preach. And yet, watch this, it's not cursed. Why? Because that angel is not ministering to New Testament people. That angel is preaching to people during the Great Tribulation. And the body of Christ will have already been taken out of here. So it's a different people at a different time. And, and I'd say to anyone that, and I mean this as gracious as I can, that has actually looked at this um, and has actually studied this and has walked away saying, I still won't believe that. Anyone that says that, I believe basically that you're kind of got a, you kind of got a proclivity to you to where you don't want to receive truth. Because, man, there's no way. Otherwise, what you do is you make the Bible contradict itself. How would you explain Galatians 1 versus Revelation 14 if you don't really divide the Bible? So, so again, what I want you to understand is this truth throughout the Bible and even in your personal life is progressive. Uh, let me give you a, a, an example of this in your personal life, okay? God says you ought to read your Bible and go to church. And you know what you're saying? Yeah, but, but uh, what about the mark of the beast? What about those scanners that they're putting in stores? And God's like, how about you worry less about scanners and coming to church? Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, you're, 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 you're over here, and the Lord's like, okay, so back over. I got that problem with my kids. Like, they're asking about, well, literally, we just got back from this trip, right? And, I mean, we're dead. We're exhausted. You know, our bloodshot, you know, and, and, and we took the kids to a, even we took them to a water park. We did all kinds of great stuff with the kids. And we got back, and, and, and Preston asked me last night about, so when's this other thing? I'm like, <laughs> no more questions. Go to sleep. You know what? He's thinking way over here, and I'm going, dude, like, we're not there yet. You know what God wants you to understand? If you're worried about all this stuff way over here, and I'm going to say this one more time, whether you like it or not, spend less time trying to learn the Bible on YouTube. And spend more time reading your Bible and actually coming to the church that God put you in. And you'll find that truth is, is progressively given out. He's not, truth is not relative. It's absolute, but it's absolute over time. God doesn't show everything at one time. First off, you couldn't handle it. You wouldn't handle it. I'll give, you, I'll give you one more example, and then we're going to move on. The, uh, the, I told you that before, and I lied, so here we go. Pr- pray for me, I lie in church. Uh, preachers lie in church all the time. We're almost done, 20 minutes later, you know. Uh, but <laughs> this is the last point. Well, that's, that's true. But I, what I didn't tell you was the last point's 40 minutes more. <laughs> See, you got to watch. Preachers are crafty, man. They're crafty. But, but uh, you, you've got... You've got uh, throughout your Bible, a number of other places. And one thing that stands out to me is the way the Lord sends out the disciples, right? And the message that he gives them versus how Paul and Barnabas go out and message that they're preaching. Completely different, right? And and throughout the rest of your Bible, you'll see these things that look like they're apparent contradictions. They're really not. They're just God dealing with different people in different places at different times in different ways. God is still God, all right, when the Lord reveals in the early part of the book of Acts that they're no longer, that salvation is no longer just through Israel. So salvation is not just limited to one group of people. Do you realize it takes them 15? Guys, there are 28 chapters. This is not deep math, okay? 28 chapters in the, in the book of Acts. They're, they don't figure out until 15 chapters into it, which is, if you're not a mathematician, that's over halfway through Amen. the book of Acts. 
They're in chapter 15 before they declaratively say, guess what? Salvation is by grace through faith plus nothing. It's the same for everybody. There's no difference between Jews and Gentiles when it comes to salvation. Took them 15 chapters to get there. You know why? Because for 1,500 years prior to this, you know what? It was all, it was, it was all one way. It was one nation with the law. And if you want a truth, you came to that one nation. And that's the way it was. And so what I'm, what I'm getting is this. You have to obey the scriptural command to study your Bible and to rightly divide it, or else the Bible will make no sense. All right? So that said, truth is not relative. It's absolute. But truth is revealed progressively to us because God knows that's the way that we can handle it. Let's go back to John chapter 4. I want to get at least one more thought in you before we leave. John chapter 4. John chapter 4, and uh, look, if you would, at verse number 31. John chapter 4. There are different schools of philosophy. One school of philosophy says this, uh, all that matters is matter. In other words, there is nothing eternal. Uh, When you die, you just go back to dust, or that's it. There's nothing to it. Um, I think that the scriptures are clear on that. That's not life. That's not how it works. You yourself, if you were just a ball of dust, you wouldn't have a conscience. There's a reason why you feel bad when you do wrong. That's from God, all right? Uh, And so there's a spiritual side to your life. The the problem you have is this. By nature, you are just bent toward the physical. You're bent towards what you can see and taste and touch and feel and hear and smell. You are bent toward the five senses so much that when you get saved, the Lord tries to introduce you to all these thoughts that in all honesty— we're, we're where he wanted us to be to begin with. It was where he placed Adam in the garden. That isn't restored until thousands of years later through the person of Jesus Christ. Thank God for that. But even after you get saved, it's almost like this battle to try to figure out, oh yeah, there's this other side of me, the one that's going to last forever. <laughs> Look at John chapter 4, and, and notice what the Lord says about this me. John chapter 4, verse number 31. In the meanwhile, his disciples prayed him, saying, Master, eat. And he said to them, I have meat to eat that you know not of. And, uh, of course, you know, they're thinking the physical. Who brought him food when we weren't looking? Did he door dash it here? Like, what's going on? We didn't, see, we didn't bring him any food, right? And, and then look, if you would, at verse uh, number 34. My meat is to what? Yeah, and to finish his work. You know what that is? That's spiritual. Uh, look, at, look at a couple of references. We'll wrap it up for this morning. Matthew chapter 6. What is your meat? What are you working for? What are you filling yourself with? I can tell you this, the most fulfilling thing. Yeah, I'm pretty much dead right now, physically. I'm exhausted. I'm wiped out. Uh, but I'm, I'm, boy, I'm on cloud nine. Uh, knowing that I can go and have preaching go on here and 50-plus people get saved, and I'm, you guys are doing th- that thing here, and I'm over there preaching to young people, and I got young people coming up, up to me with tears in their eyes. And, Joe, I know there's the meme where the person met you that same day. You changed my life. We've talked about that before. But the reality is when a kid comes up to you and goes, something you said I never thought about, and that changes the entire way I look at God. You say, what is that? That's meat right there. That's good stuff. Look at uh, Matthew chapter 6. You, you couldn't pay me a million dollars to take that away. I wouldn't. If someone came up to me and said, a million bucks, and you can walk away from the ministry, all right, make it a hundred million. No, thank you. No, thank you. Uh, be, because the thing is, man, there's no way to replace that with, with what I've got right now. You can't give me money to take, that, take, uh, take the place of that. You know, you know what a lot of Christians do? They're trying to find a, a joy and trying to find fulfillment in things that are temporary and they don't last. 
Uh, look, look at Matthew 6, and look, if you would, at verse number uh, 25. Therefore, I say to you, take no thought for your life. <laughs> you know what you think when you read that? My life matters to me. I'm important. I'm the center of the... Now, you never say that, but that's, uh, let's be honest. We think that way sometimes. Like, if you're in traffic, for example, if you're in traffic, I'm going to tell myself, you're in traffic, don't laugh, whoever's laughing at me, don't, don't, don't judge me, all right? You're in traffic, and all of a sudden, someone just comes in and is right in your lane. Sometimes there are unspiritual words that want to come out of your mouth, right? Am I, are you with me? All right, and you know what you think? Didn't you see me? I mean, there are times where I'm like, oh, can you believe what that guy did? I like, well, maybe he didn't see you. I'm like, maybe he didn't see you. I, <laughs> but she's right. Maybe the guy didn't see me. But in my mind, the world's like this, and here I am. And so if you intrude my space, obviously, boom, the end of the universe. You know what the problem is? You think too highly of yourself. And it's all about me and, and my life. And take no thought for your life. You know, there are some Christians that should be doing some things for God right now, and they're not doing them. Because my schedule is too important to me. And my calendar's full of me. And my bank account is about me. And I won't give to missions. And I won't give to the church. You know what? Because I know what, I, what matters. I matter to me. And the Lord says, take no thought for your life. That's your Savior. The one that also says, what shall a man profit to gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Great value on your soul. When it comes to this temporary life, he says, take no thought for it. Now, now, now watch, watch the rest of this verse, and we'll get down to another verse in, uh, later on in the chapter. It says this, uh, what ye shall eat. Let's be honest. Some of you right now are already going, I'm hungry. <laughs> hungry, preacher. Let's be done at noon. Listen, if I let you out at noon, you know what you'd have? You'd, have, you'd, have, you'd be fighting with all the other churches trying to go out to eat. <laughs> so we let you out at one so that you don't have that problem. Thank, you're welcome. All right, look, look, at, look at verse number uh, 25. Uh, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body what you shall put on, is not the life, watch it, more than meat. He's trying to get you to understand, your life's not, if all you live for is the physical, you're missing out. You're missing out. Look at verse number 33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God Amen. and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Let's go ahead and go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for the morning. Thank you for the, the chance to uh, jump in here and study the scriptures. And God, I pray that you'd help us, Lord, to, uh, to embrace truth. Lord, even if it's uncomfortable. And Lord, even if it uh, grades against our flesh. And Lord, frankly, even if we don't always understand it. Lord, just to simply believe it because you said it. And, uh, Lord, uh, I pray that you pour out your grace on your people. Give them the grace, Lord, to, uh, uh, to apply, Lord, what they heard this morning in Sunday school. Bless the next hour. And, Lord, I do pray sincerely, intently, Lord, uh, if there's anyone here that isn't saved, they don't know where they're going after this life is over and after they take their last breath, I, I pray that today the Holy Spirit of God would illuminate their hearts and minds, that they might see their need for Jesus Christ, that they might be saved. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We'll go ahead and start at 10 after, all right? Give you a couple minutes to stretch and get around.